powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to friends, foes, and neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings because what you're about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for pop culture, commentary, and interviews featuring no drama and no controversy guaranteed. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Productions Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to the final episode of 2022. Folks, we are skipping the glitz and glamour, and we're going to end our record-breaking year on a somber note today. So, obviously, a little background and context is needed. As some in the inner Duval circle are aware, I got to do an interview in the beginning of the year, and it was never released. Now, that interview is with comedy legend Judy Tenuta. Judy is a comedy icon and someone I greatly respected, setting stand-up stages ablaze with her firecracking personality and her incredible sense of humor. Now, when we recorded in February of 2022, Judy was battling stage four ovarian cancer. And as you will hear in this interview, she was making great strides towards recovery. Unfortunately, on October 6th of 2022, Judy lost her battle with cancer. Now, We've held on to this interview a lot longer than we would have liked, but it was never the right time to release it. So we figured we would let Judy have the last word in closing out 2022. This interview is being presented uncut, no sponsors or promos, and I hope you join me in grabbing a drink and hoisting it to the sky as you remember Judy. So, Duval Nation, here is the 30-minute phone interview with the legend herself, Judy Tenuta. Judy, hello. Welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. Before we start, I want to say thank you for coming on the show to speak with me. This is indeed a huge honor for me. Uh, let's start simple. How was the weather out in Los Angeles today? Oh, well, honey, I'm in beautiful Los Angeles, so it's gorgeous. I don't want to make you feel badly because I know over there in lovely Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, you might have gotten some snow. Oh, there's snow, all right. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, yeah. That's one of the reasons it's it's very addictive to, to live here. The other thing about Los Angeles, as you know, it's very expensive, but the weather is gorgeous, so it's hard to give up. Oh, that's okay. I lived in San Diego for five years when I was in the Navy, so believe me, I understand the perfect weather of Southern California. Oh, San Diego is beautiful. So every journey has a beginning. What was it like to grow up in Oak Park, Illinois? Well, it's more importantly, I had six brothers and a sister, so I couldn't really hear myself speak until I graduated high school, and then I went to the University of Illinois where I majored in theater, and I got on stage and realized, wow, when you get up up here on stage, people actually listen to what you say, so that's when I decided I, I wanted to do that. But then, of course, right after that, if you want to get hired as an actor, as you probably know, you have to go to auditions, which suck, because mm-hmm. there's usually at least 50 or 30 other people. And I go, you know, I don't want to deal with this crap. I'm going to make up my own show. So that's what I did. <laughs> uh, you just mentioned the University of Illinois. What are your favorite memories of attending there? Oh, my God. It was such beautiful weather. Not. <laughs> The wind was the worst. I mean, I'm a petite flower, okay? 
Right now, I weigh 107 pounds. But back then, I might have weighed a little more, like 117. And luckily, I was walking on campus. Out, It's outside, you know. And luckily, I was with a, a strong guy. The wind started lifting me up. <laughs> and he, he had to pull me down just to anchor me so I wouldn't get swept away, you know. It was it was very cold. It was very tough. But, you know, when you're young like that, you could take anything. As you get older, you realize, wait a minute. After I was in California, I came to California when I was 30 the first time. No, no, no. Take that back when I was 19. But I was there in the summer, so I didn't really realize how great it was <laughs> in the winter. Because, you know, Chicago is a nightmare in the winter. Oh, don't I know it. Uh, not to keep bringing up the Navy, but I went to boot camp there in the winter. Ranks up there with my biggest stupid life choices. Oh, my God. Isn't it hell? Yep, it's one of those moments you look back on and realize you made a few poor life choices going to boot camp in the middle of December. Oh, So in any case, uh, yeah, University of Illinois, I just love doing theater, and those those were my uh, good, good memories of doing that. Here's what I realized as you mature in life. You don't really realize how great something is until you're outside of it. In other words, while I was doing it, it was a lot of hard work. But then when I moved on to the next thing, I go, wow, I am so glad I did that. Just like anything worth doing, as you know, is usually a lot of hard work. But in the in the end, it's it's worth it, you know. So, what led you to Second City? You are one of a handful of guests who have called that place home at one point or another in their life. Oh well, uh, that's where I decided. You know, I want to go and do my own show. I want to be more versed in comedy. Chicago is very famous for Second City. So I took classes there and all the different classes they teach you, well, you know, improv. And the main rule of improv is you always say yes and. Like, let's say we're in a scene and we say, you say, Judy, this is horrible. We are in hell. Oh, my God. There's giant mallets being thrown at us. Well, then my job is to say yes. But luckily, we are wearing this uh, impenetrable armor. So we are, so, do you see what I mean? You don't mm-hmm. deny what the other person says. And that's very important in life too. You know, I've learned to get along with people. It's better to, you know, how they say, well, you know, this, this, and this, and that's right. You go, you know, you could be right, except for, and, and then you just give the opposite point of view, except you don't say, you're wrong, pig. You never say anything like that, you know, so it keeps you on a path of positivity and positivity for what I'm going through is very important. And I Absolutely. think also for, we're all um, in this pandemic and you have to try to keep your spirits up. Anybody we would know among your classmates there? Oh, uh, well, um, you know, I graduated ahead of me was Michael Gross mm. uh, in my university. Uh, and I, I honestly, I can't think, I'm, I'm sure there's other people, but I can't think of them. So, no, it's not like going to Yale where Meryl Streep was there. And, you know, but what I learned in there, you know, there, there were these separate exercises where you kind of give a monologue. You give a monologue and you make it up. And I was very good at that. 
And that's when I realized, you know, it might be hard to keep a group of four or three people together, you know, to do improv. But if I work by myself, I can always count on myself, right? (laughs) So that's when I decided, you know, I need to do stand-up. How long did it take you to learn the accordion? Oh, no, no. Uh, uh, that was like not a choice. You see, I grew up in a, a family that was half Polish and half Italian, which means I was always taking a hit out on myself. And then when I popped out of my mom's, I was popped out wearing an accordion because it was her IUD. But obviously it didn't work very well because she had nine children. <laughs> uh, do you remember your very first stand-up gig? I yeah, I think it was at this place called the, um, well, there were a few clubs there. You could go on to the, the nice thing about Chicago, you could go into these blues clubs. You know, Chicago is very famous mm-hmm. for the blues. So uh, there were these places like, uh, one was very famous, like for uh, Muddy Waters. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Yeah, I know Muddy Waters. Oh, yeah, from Chicago. So they had this room there. And uh, I, I would go there, and, and I said to the proprietor, I said, hey, I know you do blues here, but can I? Yeah, yeah, come on up. I sat, and I, I did really well, and I realized uh, I did well because all these musicians are high, and they're laughing. <laughs> so it was, but that that was a good experience. But, um, yeah, but part of uh, growing and learning and becoming better and better, you do have to bomb a few times. Because you learn how, wait a minute, I'm not, I'm not, it's not always going to be easy breezy. You have to learn, okay, uh, first of all, you have to be like a surgeon and cut anything out that is not getting a laugh. You know, we all have personal favorites of things. And I would have a favorite thing and I go, I love this and I want to keep it. But then the audience is telling me they don't like it. They're not laughing. So guess what? I had to chop it out. And that's the, really the secret. You have to do that. See, Judy, that's something the other comics I've had on here I've never mentioned, that you have to bomb occasionally in order to succeed. All right, so where did the Love Goddess moniker originate from? Well, because I, you know, I, I grew up Catholic, and, you know, the Virgin Mary had many titles. She was the uh, Tower of Ivory, Tower of Strength, and all this they would call her up. And I thought, you know, I deserve to have titles, too. So I'm the <laughs> Petite Flower goddess, fashion plate saint, earth mother hostess, geisha girl, buffer of foreheads, healer of hermaphrodites, Aphrodite of the accordion, and empress of Elvis impersonator. So I had all these titles. And Mm -hmm. people, uh, you know, really gravitated toward that. So, (laughs) you know, it was good. In other words, the idea is you have to be memorable. When we were doing the research for this interview, there was something that came up, and I was like, Oh, yes, I have to ask about that. So, Judy, will you please tell us your favorite George Carlin story? Oh, I love George Carlin. I had so much fun opening for him in the summer of 1987 when my uh, my favorite memory, we did a show, and that night after the show, he and by the way, he always gave the greatest accommodations. We always stayed in beautiful hotels. We were right there on uh, 57th Street, which is right across from the uh, park, Central Park. So it was beautiful. We both we had a great show, and we each went to our rooms. And then he called me. He said, Judy, 
did you know that for your HBO special, which was out that, I, I guess, a day or so, I got a review. He goes, you got a great review. I said, oh, my God. And he read it to me on the phone. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, my God, here's the comedy icon, George Carlin, telling me I got a great review. I mean, what's better than that? Uh, awesome. You know, that was really fantastic. And just you know, laughing with him, having a lot of fun. We would, we both love to do voices. So a lot of times before the show, we'd start talking like this or, you know, whatever we would do, to, you know, just for fun. I've met countless celebrities over the years, and I rarely get starstruck, but I got to briefly meet him a few months before he passed as he had done a show here. And a small group of us waited out by the back of the PAC, and he came out, and he did that uh, gruff, thank you, thank you, thank you very much, you know, and he got into an SUV. And, but for all of 25 seconds, I got to meet my comedy icon, and I will happily take that to the grave with me. Wow, good for you. Yes, uh, he is. He really is the uh, godfather of mo modern comedy, the observational, hey, well, you know, what happens? What is this when you're, you know, honestly, he really is, you know, he, yeah, he, he was a big influence on me. And um, but but then again, I do have many co comedians that I love going all the way back to silent times, like Buster Keaton. Mm. I love Mae West. W.C. Fields, uh, one of the most influential to me, for me to get brave and get out there, because I'm different, right, was Steve Martin. I go, uh -huh. look at this guy. He is off the charts, whacked. <laughs> and he is great, and it's so much fun. And I said, you know, if you're going to, and I'm not like him or anything, but just doing your own thing like that, you just, the most important thing, you have to have courage. You have to have the courage and conviction to follow through what you, you are trying to do. You know, I would hear so many comedians say, well, you know, yeah, I'm doing well now, but, you know, I'm taking this other class just in case I don't make it in comedy. That never entered my mind. Mm. I said, well, you have the wrong mindset. You have to start out saying, I am going to be a great comic, comedian, whatever it is. You don't say, oh, in case this doesn't work out, what do you think is going to happen? It's not going to work out. If you would be so kind, please tell us how Desperation Boulevard came about. Yes, that was another thing where it's hard to typecast me, and typecasting is a lot necessary a lot of times in this business. So I decided to make a movie of my own called Desperation Boulevard, in which I play a former child star who will stop at nothing to make a comeback. So I'm actually like 40 years old and I'm talking, I'm, I'm going, I have a manager who played brilliantly and ruthlessly by Academy Award nominee, Michael Lerner. Mm. And uh, he would say, Judy, the mo no, my name in the movie was Joni. Joni, what do you think? You've got to get press. That's what gets everybody's attention. And it was always negative press, like, you got to rob a convenience store. You got to come out as a lesbian. You got to pr pretend you're homeless. All these things. And it's just so funny. So actually, yeah, we made a movie and it's available. You can rent it and I guarantee you will enjoy it. You will have a lot of fun. It's funny and with heart. Mm -hmm. And I am proud to say there are many 
wonderful cameos, and we got some child stars. We got Will Weird Al's in it, Emo Phillips, uh, Downtown Julie Brown. I also have, of the child stars, Burt Ward, who was Robin and Batman, uh, Dana Plato, Aaron Moran, uh, Eddie Haskell. Now, those three, bless their hearts and souls, they are no longer with us. So I'm so happy that I have them on film with me in this scene, you know. Yeah, it's it's really great. You just mentioned the legendary Weird Al Yankovic. What is it like to work with him? He's so great. Uh, I actually started working with him early in 1997. He asked me, he had a, a, a kid's show called The Weird Al Show. It was so much fun. You know, these networks don't know what they're doing. It should have stayed on the air. Well, I played his psychic friend, Madam Judy. So I did at least seven episodes. It was so much fun. And then he had other people on too, other guests, lots of, it was wonderful doing that. And then also we we did other things together. I I was in a couple of his music videos. Uh, so yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's a comic genius. I've asked other comics this question, and the answers have been varied. But the question is, in the current social climate, do you find it's harder to write material? Uh, well, you, you see, yes, every little thing is dissected. Well, for example, look at what's going on with the names of various sports teams. Oh, yeah, we had to change our names. We're the Cleveland, you know, Hammers. or I, I don't know. It doesn't even make any sense. And because they're afraid that they're, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just, it's just getting way out of hand. So I say whatever I want. <laughs> I say whatever I want and just deal with it. But by the way, I am not an offensive comic. I, I don't go out there. And by the way, if you notice these people like Andrew Dice Clay and Sam Kinison, they would really be over the top. And, that, and they got a lot of attention because of it. Mm-hmm. So I think they were doing something right. Okay, fair enough. In all your years now in the entertainment industry, what would you say is the best advice you have ever been given? Uh, well, both George Carlin and Steve Martin both said, you just have to keep going on stage. Even if you've failed before, keep going on stage and write. Write your jokes, try them out, and if the audience lets you know, like I told you about that, what was it? I can't even remember. There's, but there's been a few, and I've had to put them away. And I love these jokes. Mm-hmm. And I, I personally, I just did. But the audience, it would be, <laughs> and you know, you want the big laugh, so you can't do that. So yeah, write material, go on stage whenever you can, and edit your material like a surgeon trying to save the life of a patient. So you cut out all the bad stuff, stuff that doesn't belong there. Meaning if it doesn't get laughs, you got to kick it out. Over the years, you've written some very well-received books, such as The Power of Judaism and The Full Frontal to Nudity. Tell us about how you came up with those incredible titles. The first one was The Power of Judaism. My okay. name is Daisy Y-ISM. That came out in 1991, mm-hmm. and that was a big, wonderful uh, I have everything is in is great in there. And then I have another book called, which came out a few years ago, and that one is called Full Frontal to Nudity. I am very good at titles. In I fact, <laughs> many of my comedian, comedian friends call me and go, Judy, what should I name this or that? They'll ask me that <laughs> because I'm good at it. 
but a lot of times I don't want to give away what I know because I might want to use it, right? So I can't, I can't always tell them. Is there a chance of another book? Uh, that, yes, I, I might possibly do that. I was I have a, I had an idea for that uh, definitely, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I want to do, um, you know, another kind of like a special or something, uh, you know, that people could watch. But I do a lot of little videos that people can see. I would tell people go to my YouTube channel, Judy Tenuta YouTube. You will see so many great videos, including my most recent kicking cancer's ass. Yeah, I watched and, that one. It's very uh, good. Oh, thank you. And then I have uh, Mountain Girl, which is a wonderful, fun video. I wrote the words and the music. I have a great guy who films things for me, my friend Mark, and he filmed both of those. I did another one called Hot Brock Holmes, where I do a tribute to Lady Gaga and Madonna. Nice. And another one about a, bear, a, a bad hair day called Spike It. And then many, many other uh, things that I've done that are, uh, you know, on video there. So I would say entertain yourself and watch it. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, let's talk about the hell I've been going through. (laughs) You know, you don't, you never know what life is going to deal you. Uh, Suddenly, last April, I got diagnosed with cancer. And I said, this can't happen. I feel perfectly healthy. But I did get little pains here and there. And the doctors, they immediately put me into chemo. Then I had an operation and then more chemo. And I have to tell you, uh, they obviously saved my life. Right. So whenever you have uh, a serious diagnosis, you have to act on it. You really do. I'm feeling much better now. I'm feeling really good, really well. You know, that's one of the reasons I wrote that song, Kicking Cancer's Ass, because I know there's a lot of people out there going through this they are fighting the battle against cancer now you yourself might not be doing it but i'm sure you have a friend or a relative a brother or sister a mother parent anything you know it's tough you have to you have to fight and also very important you have to have great doctors i go to ucla they're like one of the top in the country you're not going to get some bozo that you know goofed up on his final I am really glad to hear you're doing better. Uh, I've been doing this show a long time, and the first question I ask is how my guests have been doing getting through this crazy pandemic. But I knew going into this that you were battling ovarian cancer, and I figured that would not be a good question to ask. But from your videos on YouTube and talking to you, you seem to be making the best of a really shitty situation. Uh, I just honestly want to give you a hug and say kudos because I know others may never have your courage and fortitude if faced with a similar predicament. You know, it's very important to stay positive, to pray. I believe in prayer. I know others may not, but I do. And uh, many people pray for me. And, and I have friends who just call. And my, uh, my one girlfriend, she, Judy, how are you doing that? And I might not feel that well. And I go, uh, I don't know. I just think I'm going to stay. But she goes, no, you're getting up and you're kicking cancer's ass. And you know that that put you into fighting mode, but in a good way, in a, in a positive way, so that you do what you need to do, you know? If it's okay to ask, how long exactly have you been battling this? Uh, well, uh, I was diagnosed in April, but obviously for them to have to perform surgery means there was something growing in me for a while. Yeah. They don't know exactly, but I would say at least two years, Crazy. you know, 
for something to grow for them to remove it. And I think about that long. Well, I believe in the power of positive thinking and I and all my listeners are in your corner and I hope and pray you get past this. I am. That's the way it is. Hmm. I'm, I'm going to be healed. I am healed. Every morning I say my mantra, which is everybody should say this. I am healthy. I am loved and I am blessed. You have to start your day like that because that gives you a positive, uplifting feeling for the day. Mm. Don't, don't start the day like, oh, nothing goes right for me. No, if you say that, that's what's going to happen. You have to envision your positivity, envision, you know, your healing, everything. So that's very important. Okay, so as we wind down this interview, and believe me, I could pick your brain all day, uh, what would be the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online? Please go to my Instagram. It's just at Judy Tenuta. And Instagram is a big one, and so you could check things out there. Also, my Facebook page, it's, it's Judy Tenuta. <laughs> and as well as my Twitter account, at Judy Tenuta. It's very easy. Actually, I would just say Google me, Judy Tenuta, <laughs> and you'll find everything. Oh, yeah. Judy, my dear, I have been doing this show a long time, and no one has ever given me a better answer than Google me. <laughs> well, it's true. It gives you all the different, you know, most people who are out there doing things are on almost all of that social media. Oh, uh, no, Judy, no bullshit. I have guests that have a page of user handles and links and what have you, and your answer might just trump them all. Just Google me. <laughs> well, it's so easy. Why would I drive people? People aren't going to remember, except in my case, it's very easy. Just Google Judy Tenuta, or you could go to my YouTube channel, Judy Tenuta. Yeah. No, seriously, Judy, that made my day. Okay, so I am my interviews with my favorite question, and the question is this. If the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you want to say to the people of Earth? People of Earth, that's where we are. I, I, I say, number one, be kind. Okay, be kind to yourself and to others, because all of that comes back to you. And be positive. Like I said, start your day with, I am healthy, I am loved, and I am blessed. Start your day positively, and your, your day will, you know, turn out for you. And uh, you are all going to have challenges, but, you know, just be strong and meet them. Look, I had to fight cancer. I wouldn't be able to do that if I wasn't tough. So be a tough bitch, okay? you got to be tough. That's tough, awesome. but at the same time, sweet. It could happen. Judy, I say this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for taking the time to come on the show today. 30 minutes went by way too fast. Uh, again, Judy, you're a legend. There's no question about that. And trust me when I say Duval Nation joins me in wishing you all the best for your recovery. And I know my family and friends will be super impressed to know that I got to speak with the most famous person that ever lived today. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's in my opinion. But, yes, thank you. Thank you so much. No, seriously, God bless you, Judy. Well, there you have it, Duval Nation. May I tell you what? She was a legend. Like I said, tonight, I challenge all of you to take a look at the stars and hoist one for Judy as she made it her mission in life to make us all laugh, and I know she would love that. I hope everyone has a great New Year's Eve. Be safe out there, and we'll be back in 2023 with a brand new guest featuring another incredible person. 
No star, God bless, and see you next time. Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duvall Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, for links to merchandise and to explore past episodes. Please find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show.